God is dead. If there was a God, then Ryan and I would be married by now. Maybe believing in God was a mistake. What did people believe in before? The sun? Maybe there's some sort of animal that we could make a sacrifice to. Like a giant buffalo or some sort of monster, like something with the body of a walrus with the head of a sea lion. Hey, my name is Dieter Randolph, and I am an author and a speaker and a teacher and a coach and a whole bunch of other stuff. I've been doing this for a really, really long time, and I am so happy to be here with you today. Okay, Dieter, thank you so much for being here with me on the Unmotivated Habits podcast. Uh, There's plenty to cover. Hopefully, I can get to everything I want to. Off the bat, a little bit about myself after looking at um, all of your stuff. I don't, I don't identify with any particular religion. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you come across people like me all the time. Uh, but as part of my daily routine, I, I try to re- read something religious every day. Nice. That could be the Gospels. That could be the Bhagavad Gita, the Jefferson Bible. Um, I love religion. It's one of my favorite topics in the world for anyone who's willing to talk about it with me, but it's hard to come by those types of people sometimes. (laughs) Um, But I wholeheartedly believe in the value it can bring to our lives. And I wanted to start with a question. For someone who loves the Christian religion like me, just from a perspective of what it can bring to someone's life, uh-huh. Uh, I love the straightforward message of it, and this might be a little uh, bit of an oversimplification, but what would Jesus do is the overarching message of the religion. And if you live by that, you know, you have your answer to all of life's questions. It's frustrating to me to see how it's misrepresented often in these times. Is <laughs> that something that frustrates you? You seem pretty level headed, but is that something that frustrates you and you have to deal with um, often? Yeah, I mean, in a lot of different ways. I mean, for one thing, I have been, you know, I'm a minister. And as I said, I'm a third generation minister. So my parents and both of my grandparents on my mom's side. So I'm a church person and all of that. And on that level, just like getting introduced at like a party or whatever. Oh, hey, here's a, he's a minister. Uh Uh-oh. Now, you know, you can't hang out with that weird guy. You know, it's like (laughs) on that level. But more than that, I really feel very strongly, first of all, that that whatever religious persuasion or modality or whatever word you want to use, trying to be as generic and open as I can, I refuse to believe that God cares about brand recognition. You know what I mean? I I really can't imagine that the point of all of this was I need everybody to sign up with my team. You know, and over and over again, you know, Jesus said, guys, love each other, love God, and that's about it. You know, and the quote that, that Jesus uses is love, love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. But he says all your might, which I love that because it, it means putting it into action. But I think that however you put in that into action should be up to what's in your heart, not what some creed says. I agree with that. And that's, yeah. it's, it's tough for some people to wrap their head around. And, um, like it, it's what is right to you might be what's right in the moment. Yeah. And I think, so I think that with that in mind, with the kind of openness, the fact that, that Jesus's example is here's somebody that hung out with people who were 
uh, outcast, people who were in trouble, quote unquote perfect people, whatever that means, had nothing to do with his crew. You know what I mean? And so the fact that that his doctrine, and this is really not something that Jesus invented, but this is part of the Judeo-Christian tradition of welcoming the stranger, being kind to people who are different than you because they're different than you, not trying to make them the same as you, you know, all of that. Given that Jesus is so open in that in his example, and given that once again, this is something that that we see in a lot of religious traditions, yes, in answer to your question, it's incredibly frustrating when I see someone who says they believe in the same stuff as I do talking about hate and fear and building walls between people. I, I think that it's crazy. And I get it why there are so many people that are like, you know what, I'm not going to church. I get that. But the problem with that is that means that those people who are talking about hate and fear, they get to dominate the dialogue. It's not about yeah. winning a fight, but it is about being another voice at the table. And so even though there are times when I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do what I do and I'm not even going to call it church. I'm going to do what I do. I'm not going to call it a ministry, whatever. It's tempting. But on the other hand, there's also a temptation to say, you know what, let's talk about this. Let's take it back. Let's, let's do this a little bit differently. Let's find a way to be open. I think that it's just such a cheap shot to try and get people to do it your way. You know, the example that people use a lot is the golden rule. You know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Even that requires some interpretation. It's not so straightforward. I mean, when you think about it, what if I'm hungry and the other person isn't hungry? I would have someone do a sandwich unto me, but yeah. he doesn't want one. So does that mean I give him one even though he doesn't want one? What if he's taken a vow of, of silence and I want to talk? All of a sudden, it's not about the concrete things. I have to actually think about how feelings work. I have to think about something deeper. So even something that feels cut and dried isn't. So if somebody says, no, this is what it says, and we're going to, based on this, this thing, we're going to tell people that they're bad. Behaviorally, that has nothing to do with what Jesus was talking about. Theologically, it doesn't make sense. And just looking at the text itself, it just doesn't add up. I think we're supposed to be a lot nicer to each other than we are. And I think a lot of that comes from what you just said, looking at the test text itself, because that is something that I remember when I I grew up in a in a religious kind of house, but I I didn't identify with that religion. And it wasn't until I was older that I said, you know what, let me pick this up and read it. And <laughs> it's, sure. it's amazing how many people haven't actually read the text but when you mm -hmm. dig in you realize that a lot of the things you've been led to believe just they aren't in there and no, if you read not. the new testament it's just a different message than what you've been led to believe i was it was eye-opening for me and i i really loved it loved seeing that yeah i get that i get that for sure and that kind of i'm going to skip ahead to something i wanted to ask you because you've you've brought it up but you said it's it's tempting to just approach these things from a i guess from a secular point of view and not necessarily from a religious point of view but it's that would i think that would almost be the easy easy road the easy way out and you don't mm -hmm. do that and you also don't shy away from heavy social issues and yeah. in your your ask theater series which is great um some of the issues you tackle like what's the deal with guns what's my role in racism how do you feel about psychedelics do i believe in gay marriage you tackle them head on and it's it's very refreshing and I wanted to ask you, why do you feel it's so important to tackle these issues the way you do? Well, I think that we've got to live this real life. You know, I mean, 
it's such a it's such a funny thing to me that that for so many people church is this walled garden where only people who look like us and think like us and usually vote like us and spend like us those are the only people who are allowed in those are the cool people and once again it's really important to understand that the word church just the word itself does not mean Sunday morning building where we hang out for an hour and then we go have brunch or whatever. That's not what the word means. The word has nothing to do with the building. The word means a community of called out people, which means two things. Called out means that I have a sense of calling. There's something bigger than me that I'm trying to figure out. But it also means we're calling each other out. We're challenging each other to grow and be our best versions of ourselves. And I got to say, there's a lot of places you go on Sunday morning that don't do either of those things. And it drives me crazy, but we got to get to a place where it matters. And to do that, we got to talk about the things that are actually on our hearts and minds. Like, is it okay that my church marches in the pride march every year? It's okay with me, you know, and I happen to be heterosexual, but I don't think this is a gay issue or a straight issue. I think it's a human issue. You know what I mean? I think there's a lot of stuff like that where if my spiritual practice does not apply to the life I live, then frankly, what good is it? I come across some churches here and there that that do it the way you do it, for lack of uh, a better term. And it's it's always very refreshing. So that it's it's nice to hit these issues head on. And I had a question on that note about um, the personal, the way I, I take in religion is very personal. Uh-huh. I'll read, I'll meditate on it, and I try to act on it in my personal life. But, for example, I'm not a minister. So I had a question on that note. When when I see people and loved ones and friends who are, say, veer, you know they're well-meaning, mm-hmm. but they're veering off, they're getting caught up in what's on the news, and they're getting caught up in cycles of hatred, and they're telling you these things, what is my responsibility in that sense? Is it my responsibility to try to help get them back on track when these are these are challenges that I face myself? Is that judgmental or is that kind of something I'm supposed to do to help them? I think that we are called upon, once again, just frankly, to be kind. I think that we're called upon to love each other. And I think that how that kindness, how that love plays out is going to vary in all kinds of ways. The thing is, and I even actually talk about this in my new book, if you're sitting down at Thanksgiving dinner with your racist uncle, you know that he's wrong as far as like how DNA works. There's no particular combination of ethnicities that make you dumber or smarter or better or worse. We know now that it just doesn't work like that. And you can argue with your racist uncle about how DNA works and go down the whole 23andMe thing, but you know that's not going to sway him in any way. And you're just going to make everybody – yeah. Yeah. And the thing is we live in a sort of a post-facts culture you know, where somebody can go, oh, well, that's fake news. And and I think it's a cheap shot. I think it's a refusal to deal with what's actually going on. But – there's actually some good things about that because what it means is, you know what, we're going to have to look past the facts because we can't even agree on the facts. And we're going to have to start thinking about truth instead of facts. In other words, what's the deeper meaning? What are the things that, that aren't open to, uh, to debate? What just is? And those things have to do with things like love and inspiration and beauty and truth. All the things that are better to think about anyway, all the things that really define us as human beings. So what I'm trying to say is you can't argue facts with your racist uncle. 
because his facts don't line up with yours. You're never going to get there. But what you can do is show him what love looks like. You might have an opportunity to tell your story, you know, in one way or another, a story about kindness. You might have an opportunity to go, you know what? I happened to, uh, one of my best friends is a person of color and he and I went out to do this thing and that thing and we're human beings. You know, I think that, look, I, as a white straight guy, I don't have a whole lot of, you know, I, I'm not going to act like I'm an expert on what it means to be oppressed. That would be very, very hypocritical. But what I do know is if you look at the way that like, let's say the civil rights issue has progressed in our country, obviously we still have a really long way to go. I'm not saying we're anything close to done, but what I am saying is things began to change when white people realized, hey, black people go to the grocery store and they love their kids and they have, you know, they have jobs. They're just like us. And look, like I said, we got a long way to go, but that basic idea of, oh, wait a minute, we're all just doing human stuff started to open the door for not everybody, but for a lot of people. So do I have an obligation to, to help somebody who's caught up in hate and fear? million percent you do. But it doesn't look like arguing with them until they give up. That ain't yeah. love. It has to do with showing somebody something. And, you know, depending on the situation, that can look all kinds of ways. But you have some opportunity to tell a different story. And the story is what will move things. And on that note, that, that racist uncle, there's some – pain in him that leads him to be the way he is, which is something you touched on in your video about, um, is it spiritual to protest? Uh -huh. And I loved that one because I agreed with everything you said when I clicked it. I was hoping to hear what you, what the way you described <laughs> well, <I'm> it. I'm glad. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's part of it is, is, well, actually I'll let you talk a little bit about it because you explained it in a way I couldn't about how you don't have to necessarily agree with everything going on to to be able to say there's some the reason it's happening is because there's a wound in this country and mm -hmm. um let's get to the bottom of it together so could you say it the way you said it before <laughs> i embarrass myself no not at all not at all first of all i'm 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 really happy to hear that it, that it touched you it was important for me to talk about and the person who asked the question sent that in it was important for them too so i'm happy to sort of bring it all the way back around the basic idea is that love stands up. The loving thing to do is not to let oppression continue, to let injustice continue. Sometimes people go, oh, well, it's loving. If you, you're a loving person, if you just let me continue to treat you like garbage, that ain't love, that's codependence, that's you know really dysfunctional stuff. So the idea is you can look at somebody on the news who's you know, rioting and looting a store and, and setting a car on fire. And that stuff sucks. I'm not trying to say that it's okay to do that. I'm not defending that. But what I am saying is you can look at the violent behavior and decide, oh, those are bad people. Or you can go, wait a minute, someone is so angry that that is their line of recourse. And maybe I don't know, as a privileged person, I don't know what it's like to be that angry. So maybe I shouldn't step out of my comfort zone for a minute and go, man, if somebody is that mad, clearly something's broken. You know, instead of just pointing a finger at a person, these people are bad. That's not it at all. They're mad. And as it turns out, if you know your history, they've got good reason to be mad. Yes. I mean, historically, oh my gosh, may, many, many smarter people than me have talked at great length about all of the things 
the Homestead Act, the GI Bill, all of the things that 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 talk about systemic and systematic racism in, in our country. We got a lot of work to do. But the yeah. point is right now, look at people and look at what they do and decide, am I going to judge them or am I going to try to feel what they feel so that I can understand how to not have that happen again? That's, That's exactly right. I agree. And I think we're I think we're kidding ourselves if if we don't believe that Jesus would be out there peacefully protesting right now. Well, for what the we know about him. that we're facing, yeah. Oh man, what we know about him from the stories is here's somebody who speaks truth to power. He was not an establishment guy. I mean, no. people that got him in trouble were the establishment. The stories we have are, are him showing up in the temple and kicking over tables. I mean, this is an this is a precedent. I'm not saying that that's the first recourse. It wasn't for him either. Yeah, but we need to understand that he wasn't the guy that went. You know, we should all just keep quiet and let the let the powers that be continue to be the powers that be. That wasn't really his jam. You know, it was. That's one of the things that, as I mentioned, when I actually read through the Gospels for the first time, it was refreshing to see that Jesus was a person and yeah. that he had the emotions and the feelings that we have. And in that mm -hmm. moment, his emotions boiled over, and that that. It can happen. He was he was human, and we should all forgive ourselves. It's going to happen to us too, but sometimes it's called for. Yeah, and it is called for a million percent. Yeah. And some of the things I wanted to get into from the the unmotivated habits side of things, because the the whole idea behind my philosophy is that I think we can institute very small, manageable changes in our lives that over time will have lasting and massive effects and you touch that. you touch on a lot of them in your videos so i wanted to ask you what are some some small changes that you think you could institute from a spiritual level that would have these lasting effects in our life oh th this is great because one of the main things that i talked about and we even touched on it a little bit ago the difference between facts and truth and it's something that comes up a lot Real quick, a fact is important, like it's a fact that you make this much money, it's a fact you got bills to pay and all of those things. Those are important things, but they're not anything that can tell you who you are. The facts change and they come and go. The truth about you is things that don't change. And you're going to be a way happier person if you can lean into the, the truth and don't let the facts define you. It used to be a fact that you were two feet tall, but you grew. You know, who cares? It's over now and we move on to something else. So being the kind of person that can figure out what's meaningful is really, really huge. And the question is, well, how do I do that? I mean, that seems like a, a big deal. But meaningful is just those moments when you're in the zone, those moments when you get this feeling of I'm connected to something bigger than myself, those moments when the universe goes, you are here, you know, when you really feel like, okay, I, I get where I am in this moment. And those moments don't have to always be, you know, when the Red Sea parts or whatever, usually those moments are, oh, my favorite song is on and I have to dance. Those moments where, you know what, I, I gotta, I'm in the garage and I'm trying to make something artistic and, and I forgot to go to dinner because I'm so into this and nobody else is going to see it and maybe nobody else is going to like it, but I don't care. I'm in this. That's meaning. And so what I'm trying to say is find little moments where it's, this is the best cup of coffee in town or this is my favorite art, or this is my song. I got to listen to this again. I got to dance to this. It doesn't matter if it's big or small. And usually the most beautiful ones are small things because those are the things we've given ourselves permission to do. But the magical thing that happens 
is if you become the kind of person that look for those moments when you're in the zone, when you feel authentically you, you know, if you become the kind of person who's looking for those things, who wants to talk about them, even if nobody else wants to hear about it, something amazing happens. And here's what happens. In a way, it's like a phobia. I know that sounds weird, but stick with me. They say that if you're the kind of person who has a phobia, you are more likely to develop another phobia because your brain is wired that way. And it's not about judging why that is or whatever. But if you have a fear of heights, let's say you're more likely to develop a fear of, let's say, open spaces or whatever, because you're, you're, you now have phobia brain. And so a, a therapist or somebody like that will work a lot to just try to get the phobia brain programming changed, right? Well, in the same way, if you are the kind of person who is programming yourself to look for moments of meaning, even little things, holy crap, this is the best chocolate chip cookie I ever had. Little things. If you begin to string those little things together, if you're the kind of person who's on the hunt for that, you will start to be geared up for the bigger things too. And it that thing can snowball in amazing ways if you just find little moments of, wow, this is really me. This whatever it is. I'm into this. I'm really present. I'm not medicating my life so that I can just get through the next series of sitcoms and go to bed and go to work again. When you show up, things happen. Yeah, that I couldn't have said that better. And and I think something you touched on is that you have to you have to find those little moments of meaning in real things and not something I forget which video you touched on this on, but not things that are kind of artificial dopamine hits such <laughs> as the Facebooks, the Instagrams, the things that are that are scientifically created to make you feel that but are not actually giving you that real meaning because that is a challenge today. Yeah, well, I think the goal is to get out of your ego, right? Because you don't know best. Your heart does, but your brain is your brain is not good at this. That's not what your brain is for. And people people spend a lot of time trying to listen to what they already know to be true. And that means you're never going to get out of your comfort zone. You're going to get wrapped up in your ego and all of that. This has to do with getting out of your ego, getting out of your comfort zone and into a heart thing. Well, when you play a you know candy crush on your phone or whatever, or if you spend the weekend getting high, or if you're the kind of person that is so wrapped up in other people's drama, all those things are actually kind of the same thing because they don't change anything. But your brain gets the same dopamine hit from lining up some fruit in a row on the game on your phone as it does from actually accomplishing something. Your brain is dumb. It doesn't know the difference. But your heart knows that one of those things moves you forward, closer to something bigger than yourself, and one of those things keeps you on hold. That's right. I had a friend that was uh, really, really super into drugs when we were kids together. And he said, and I, I just never really got that. A part of it is I don't like being out of control, you know, that kind of thing. I got to admit my own bias there, but it just didn't really do anything for me. And uh, I said, why do you do this? And he said, well, I, I get stoned because my life is so bad. And I said, well, how's it going to get any better if nobody's driving the boat? You know, if you're not there for it, it's not going to magically get better. It's not like the elves and the shoemaker where you wake up and everything's cool. It's only going to get worse when you're not there for it. So I think that the amazing thing can happen that can happen is if you decide, you know what, instead of vegging out on the couch because my work day is done, what if I just took a moment and connected with somebody or just frankly just organized something or got something done or took a moment to dream a dream? What if I had a million dollars? What would I do with it? 
you know, whatever it is, take a minute and give that to yourself because you're going to learn some things that are going to actually move the needle a little bit in your life. And I I think you touched on that in one of your episodes about controlling stress. One of the, one of the ways you said to do it is just get something done. Yeah. No matter how small, just go get something done. And I've, it's uh, one of my favorite authors, uh, Mark Manson, I think his name is. He had something called the do something principle when you're stuck and you're trying to find motivation. Just go do something. And his point was even just go brush your teeth. Don't, don't swipe the phone. Just go brush your teeth. Go take a shower. Go walk to the end of the driveway and back. Just do something. Yeah. So I connected with that one a lot. Yeah, a million percent. It's one of the things I say a lot is go do a thing. (laughs) It doesn't matter what it is. Go do an actual thing with tangible results. Organize the dishwater, dishwasher better. Fill up the gas in the car, whatever. Do a thing. You'll feel better yeah. and you'll start to shift some things around. You'll get better. Yeah. And something on a personal note, I have instituted in my own life, which it can all, it can have a religious background as far as um, religiously, it would be to just assume that everything is happening for a reason and it's yeah. under the control of a higher power. But from a secular level, even something I try to practice is finding silver linings in bad situations. Okay. And how I do that is I go back and I think about something that happened that devastated me at the time or made me angry or made me sad. But then I think about all the changes that made and, you know, I wouldn't be here if that didn't happen or this wouldn't have happened if that didn't happen. So you can practice that moving forward. And just if something bad happens to you, just know something good's coming from it. Something's going to happen that wouldn't have happened otherwise. And that's something, yeah, it's a great, it's a great it's a great philosophy that has religious roots, but anyone can institute it in their life. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. And look, I'm glad you brought that up because here's the thing. I come from a religious place, but that's not what this is about. Because one of the things I say in the book is there were people who hung out with Jesus and didn't get it. And when you look at the history of every spiritual tradition, there are people who hung out with the Buddha or Muhammad or Moses. There are people who hung out with Gandhi and Martin Luther King, and didn't get the message. In fact, we're angry and antagonistic about it. So it ain't about proximity. It's not about being in the right room on the right morning. That's not it. If you have an open heart and you want to grow, if you're hungry for growth, you can find inspiration anywhere. But if you're closed off, you can be with the most amazing, beautiful people and not get any of it. So it's great if somebody finds a religious path that helps them feel like they're in the right room for the answers they need. But the truth is it's not about that as much as it's about is your heart open to this. And I love the idea of of really believing that whatever goes on, you're going to grow through it. Because when you look at your life, easy way or hard way, you're going to learn. You have no choice about that. So either you learn the easy way, you move on to something more challenging, or you fall down a couple of times and you learn that way too. And the beautiful thing is whether you learn by just doing it the the right way, and there are things that you sail through in your life that other people really have to chew on and you don't even realize it, you know, but the fact that you can never stop growing, there's, there's no ceiling to this. But there's a definite floor. In other words, if things get so bad that they just can't get any worse and you just have to give up and you have to learn and you have to get out of the way, the fact that there's a defined floor but no ceiling really kind of illustrates the fact that, you know what, the universe is a pretty good place. The fact that we are predisposed to grow. But the thing to think about too is when you 
read a biography of some hero, you know, like let's say Steve Jobs, and you look at, okay, well, the Apple computer happened in the garage and, and all of these things, it really feels like it had to happen that way. It, yeah. it feels like a movie. You read about any hero and you go, well, it had to be that he lost his job so that he could get that job at the restaurant and become a master chef. And it just feels like such a point to point straight line. But you know, if you read the story, that those moments were filled with fear and uncertainty and doubt. They had no idea was, what was going to happen next. Yeah. You can only connect. That's what it takes. Yeah. Because you get out of the way. You can only connect the dots looking backwards. So what you have to do is just kind of trust that, you know what, I'm going to grow one way or the other. And I have no clue what's going on right now. I have no idea why this is happening, but that's every hero. You think about every hero story, Luke Skywalker, Harry Potter, whatever, they get to this place where they don't get what they want. And that's when they open up and become the hero. You know, Luke Skywalker yeah. would have really liked Obi-Wan Kenobi to hang around a little bit longer. Frodo, <laughs> Frodo did not want to find the ring. Harry Potter would have liked to hang out with his mom and dad. Every hero, they don't get what they want, but that's when they open up and amazing things happen. And that's kind of beautiful because the moment you don't get what you want could be the moment you step out of your ego and out of your comfort zone and into real heroism, real faith, real belief in something bigger than yourself because you got no choice. And that is awesome. I couldn't agree more. Some of the some of the best moments in my life came because of a decision that didn't go my way and what it led to afterwards. And it's yeah, it's you got to keep your eye out for it. Or you might miss it. That's part yeah. of it as well. And that yeah. that kind of goes into you. You had a you were talking about in one of your videos that safety is not always safe. I think that kind of ties in because um, just living that life, trying to avoid those pitfalls you're going to you're going to run into them almost you're going to run into them if you try to live that way yeah. can you go into that a little bit well it's a couple of things i think you know people we're trained from an early age to be responsible to be reasonable to be predictable you go in the job interview and they go where are you going to be 5 years from now and all of that stuff and it's all garbage because first of all you don't know where you're going to be in 5 years I don't want to know. I want to be surprised. I want what happens to me next to be bigger than what I can imagine. So what a garbage thing to, to think about. But we are trained to seek out safety. But the truth is, when you were at your safest, you were probably at your most unhappy. When you're in a rut in a relationship or in a job, you're damn safe. But who cares? Yeah. You know, the safest situation I can think about where there are stone walls and guards and cameras and dogs and security and bars is jail. They're safe. Who cares? That's yeah. completely, completely overrated. Safety is overrated. And in fact, if you're the kind of person who seeks out safety, what it means is you're missing real opportunities to stretch and grow. And like I say, to get out of your comfort zone. So safety ain't all that safe. If you do the safe thing, don't tell somebody you love them. Don't ask for the raise. Don't step out. You're going to end up not getting the job. You're going to end up losing that romance. You're going to end up doing bad things because you were trying to be safe. So safety is not actually safe. But on the other hand, if you can just kind of lean in and trust that, you know what? I have no idea what's going to happen. But when I look back at my life, there were times when things got taken away from me and I lost people and I lost my stuff, but I'm still here. So there must be something about me that that is bigger than my possessions and my situation. And I'm going to trust that. Yeah. And so there's something amazing that happens when you get out of safety brain and you get into trust brain. Yeah. And you even mentioned beginner's brain, which I love. 
yeah. which is to, to treat everything like you're a beginner at it and just grow. Yeah, I got my start working with little kids. And I love working with little kids because to them, everything is brand new and everything is magic and everything is special. And I think that that's one of the reasons why in so many pieces of wisdom literature from spiritual traditions around the world and throughout history, they say, be like a kid. And that's part of it. Be amazed at something for a change. Yeah. Do you have, that's really hard for some people. I know some people personally where stepping out of that safe lane it's you can tell them all the stories you want about how it's how stepping out has has helped you but they're just not going to do it do you have any advice to people who maybe want to but just can't take that step can't ask for the raise can't (laughs) do anything out of their comfort zone do you have any advice for them yeah i have a couple of pieces of advice first of all what i know about how the universe works and that's far from everything but one of the things i do know for sure because i've lived it a million times over is that you're gonna have no choice sooner or later you're gonna get to the place where you can't rely on the things you used to rely on so my advice to that kind of a person is better to do it the easy way when you can trust something lovingly rather than oh well the house burned down i have to trust now and i don't want to scare anybody but that kind of stuff happens because yeah. the universe is predisposed and, and lined up for your growth. That's just how it is. And so you're going to grow the easy way or the hard way. But I will also say that this is like working out a muscle. And I think it's fine to start with low weight and high reps. Get used to those little trust moments. Trust something. And when you think about it, you operate on faith and trust way more than you realize. Think about the fact that you don't need to know how the uh, internal combustion engine works in order to drive your car. You trust that. And in fact, you trust every other driver on the road, and maybe some of them you probably shouldn't trust. <laughs> you trust that your, you know, your belt's going to hold your pants up. You trust the elevator. You trust the floor under your feet. You trust a million things before you even get to work in the morning. You operate on trust. And so what I would say to somebody who's really trying to find uh, comfort in relying on things outside of themselves, I would say become an archaeologist of trust. In other words, really start thinking about all of the ways that there's a big old hunk of life that's out of your control and there's a part of you that's cool with that. You're already really good at trust. And, you know, one of the things that happens is people come to me, you know, at church or in spiritual places or whatever, and they go, you know, I got to get more faith. I want to have more faith. How do I get more faith? And the thing is, faith is not a commodity. You can't get more of it. You already, your faith tank is already at 100%. You already have faith. You live by it. The question is not, how can I get more? We're going to get out of this commodity mindset and rather into a presence mindset. Understand, you've already got faith. The question is, what are you putting your faith in? Because there's a lot of people that put like 10% of their faith in, you know, an idea of God or a higher power or something good happening. But then 90% of their faith is, I really believe people are no damn good. You know, and and if you believe that, the universe is going to give you plenty of proof to support your hypothesis. And so, like I said, work on the idea that you already have faith. Where are you putting it? And if you start to be intentional about that, you can start to make different decisions about how you deal those cards. Yeah. Even if it's just a moment a day to, to realize it, like you said, it's like low reps or high reps, low weight at first. Yeah. And that is, that's perfect for the unmotivated habits mindset. Start small and gradually build it into your life until it's just natural. Yeah, habitual, until, for sure. Until you know, and yeah. And part, some of the examples I use are, you know, 
catch yourself in a white lie once a day and don't tell it. You know, <laughs> I love if it. you're catch yourself before you're about to gossip once a day and before you know it, you're going to stop yourself all the time. It's just going to become the way of life. It's just gonna, how you're going to live. Yeah, that's great. I love, I love it. Um, I think that's a great place to end at this time. I hope you'll come back and answer a bunch more of my questions, but anytime before you go, um, where can people find you? What are your books? Where can they buy them? Just let everyone know where they can find all your stuff. Absolutely. Thanks for the opportunity to promote all of this stuff. The best place to go is my website, and it's way past okay. It's W-A-Y-P-A-S-T-O-K-A-Y, waypastok.com. And there's links to all of the books. You can also search for my stuff or my name, Dieter Randolph, on Amazon and all of that kind of thing. But go to waypastok.com. I also have those videos you've been talking about. There's links to them there, but you can go to askdieter.com and and find those. I'm way past okay on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook too. So I'm pretty easy to find. And I would love for people to come find me. This book that I just wrote, Meaning Fulfilled, it has meant a lot to me to write. It was one of those things. It's like, this has to happen. You know, I kind of gave birth to this book. You know, it's like, this has to happen. And, and I'm really, really proud of it. So I want people to investigate that most of all. Perfect. I'll have to read it myself then have you back on. We'll talk about it some more if that's all right. Love to. Awesome. All right, dear. Thanks a lot for coming on and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks very much. Have a great day.